Welcome to Corley's Corner, episode three. Today's episode, I interview Gunter Plank, and he gives us a little bit of insight into uh, refereeing, scoring, judging, uh, what he's accomplished with IFMA, a little bit about what his seminar is going to look like at the World Games qualifiers. Jeff, if you can tell us why Gunter's such an important part of uh, Muay Thai. He's one of the head officials of IFMA, and IFMA celebrates the international rule sets for Thai boxing. So he kind of makes sure that all of the referees and judges are up to standard, and they always have an educational course. I remember going to the first IFMA, and JJ was out there learning still and revamping what he learned. Also, like people from Canada, the officials from Canada, also revamping what they learned. So it was really awesome to kind of like understand what the quality of judging and refereeing is because it's not just one one certification and you're done it's multiple certifications it's refreshing your memory so he's a really important figure with IFMA I also remember when shooting my documentary he took a group of judges and referees that were learning to Lumpini and they got to shadow the actual Lumpini judges and referees and they got critiqued on how they scored fights. So this is really valuable and important uh, because it really helps us understand like, you know, there is an international rule set and we're trying to bring that here to America. And also I saw on the referee and judging that we have some additions to it. It's not just JJ, it's not just Stefan. Uh, who else is gonna be in part of this seminar? It's gonna be uh, Pistol Pete and uh, Mark DeLuca. So uh, they're going to be also the, they are also the A-class um, officials of the United States Muay Thai Federation. So they're going to be a part of this as well, which is really cool. I think uh, all athletes, coaches, fighters, interested people should take the seminar. I did one, I think, uh, four or five years ago at TBAs. And even though I did it only once and it's something you're supposed to um, go into more if you're trying to get certified, that experience was very helpful for me. I learned a lot about judging, refing, scoring, uh, something like how referees are supposed to break up fighters, you know? So now when I watch even very big high-level shows, I'm like, oh, that ref is doing something wrong, <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's a really cool experience. And if you're just a fan of the sport or you want to become a better athlete, it's definitely something you should participate in. Definitely. I agree with that. And let's take the show on the road, Perry. Awesome. Uh, so first, uh, I did a little research on you, and I saw that you've been a referee since 2007. Yeah. And um, with the accolades that you have now, everywhere I'm reading, I see that you're the most experienced, the most qualified, okay. <laughs> everywhere. And uh, prior to this, uh, Michael Corley and all the staff were telling me, like, you're interviewing one of the best refs in the world. So I want to ask, why, okay. why? How are you getting these accolades? It's my passion. It's a lifestyle of mine. Maybe, it, maybe on this way. So it's, it's for me. It's similar, same like a, a, how should I say? Maybe it sounds a little bit bad or not so so really good, but it's a, a kind of revolution for me. So in this way, I growing up with the sports. I have done it for many years. So I started with some other martial arts. I tried some different. And, and with the age of, I think it was 19, I think so. So I tried first time a competition. No, it was later, I'm sorry. 
it was later yeah it was later so it doesn't matter so at first i try hapkido and after i try taekwondo and so in this case also for taekwondo was a good experience at this time and there was only this martial arts club in my gym uh, in my city so that's why i tried this one so after i go to the military after i come back and so there was a small problem with the trainer there he was a korean guy so he support only some special kinds of people so in this way i didn't agree so he didn't play fair so in this way that's why we have some miscommunication and misunderstanding of the sports and so i changed it and um, was looking for some other one and so i came to kickboxing and at this one at this martial arts i got my first competition experience and so i like it i like it very well so i continue and i'm growing up on this way but my reason was most of the time i was the only one crazy guy into the gym who trained a lot and most of the time he trained alone or traveling around Austria to get more experience, to meet some other people, to exchange the experience, to growing up. And so in this case, I was the one and only in my gym. And also I was the lightest one. It doesn't matter. So in this case, I growing up, growing up. And one and a half year later, no, one year later, I go first time for the national championship and to beat the local champion. And so in this way, I was qualified for the European Championship. And so in this way, it was my first after two years to train on this competition uh, growing up. And I go to the first international competition. It was the European Championship. And so it was my first international experience. And so since this moment, I follow this way. And... This is all kickboxing, right? Not Muay Thai. Was, uh, no, no. So at this time, we don't have Muay Thai in Austria. Yeah. It's only kickboxing. And 95, I was traveling at the first time to Thailand. And so it was my first touch with Muay Thai. And since this moment, I was flashed. Also, the people there, the country, the revolution, the relationship between the revolution, the people, the culture, the sports, and so all the things, I was so impressed. And so in this way, since 95, I trained Muay Thai. If I can ask about the trip to Thailand, because uh, for me as an American, I never had the thought or desire to go to Thailand until after I started training Muay Thai. And okay. then I was like, oh, I want to go. I want to learn. But for you, if you hadn't been um, exposed to Muay Thai at that time, also, since I've lived here in Europe, I've realized European people do travel more often outside of their country than Americans do. So what made you want to go to Thailand in the first place? It, it's different. So uh, not everybody's, not each of the Austrian people have the same idea for traveling. Some of them go for holidays. Some of them go for some adventures. But most of the people, they go only for holidays. Mm -hmm. So they would like to stay two weeks there. They would like to enjoy the beach. They would like to enjoy the hotel. They would like to enjoy the, the all-inclusive, something like this one. But for me, no. So I don't need all-inclusive. For me, the first time uh, I travel, there are some different places without any tourists. And so it was my first touch with uh, the country, with the people, and I got really good experience on this way. And on the first day, I arrived on Buket. So I had a friend there. He was working there. He was one of the... was the uh, the chief of the kitchen there and so he was in working in a big hotel and so i visit him on the next day 
after arrival, I was looking for some small gyms around this area on, on, on Phuket. And so I found one and I was the one and only Farang. I was the one and only European people there. And so it was very funny. And the first three rounds, he gave me the, the, for skip, uh, the, the rope. And I have to do it for three rounds, but into the sun, no shadow, something like this one, oh, but wow. three rounds. Yeah, but it, so in this way, the next one, the next movement was shadow boxing for three rounds also. And he saw, okay, I have basically skills in boxing and also some little bit uh, in kicking, but it was a different style and kickboxing kicks or Muay Thai kicks. And so he saw me and after this one, after three rounds for shadow boxing, he ordered me to come into the ring and I have to work with him five rounds on the bats. And it was really, really, really hard for me, yeah. but never give up, <laughs> never give up. So in this way, it was really crazy, but I enjoyed it. And I think he enjoyed it more than me to push, to keep and to, to train some crazy guy from Austria. So in this way, it was my first experience with Muay Thai and science this time. You've been hooked. Yeah, but it's a different way. Yeah. It's a different way part of this one so it was really 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 good experience for me for myself and so after five rounds on the bats he put me to the heavy bags and I kick into the heavy bag and I, I thought oh my goodness what happens on this boy so it was same if you maybe you saw some old movies it was really a heavy bag but it was filled with sand yeah so in this way, I punch him, I kick him, it hurts so much, it doesn't matter. So he told me I have to use my knee, okay, I use knee, but the heavy bag doesn't move. So yeah. he had some other one, I think he was 12 or 13 years old, the guy, so he came to me and showed me how I have to use the knees. But if the tiger used the knee on the heavy bag, the heavy bag is moving, 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 and if I knee the heavy bag, stay still. It's unbelievable, and so in this way, it... It was really, really crazy, but I love it. This was my first experience with Muay Thai. And many, a couple of years later, I enjoyed it on different places. I had some different teachers. But at this time, it was a little bit difficult to find a good gym, to find a good trainer. Nobody of them speaks English as well. And so this, the communication was all with hand and feet and some gesture. And it was a big problem. But after many years, so you know, you learn some words, you know the way to communicate. And so it was a good one and growing up. Well, so back to the time, it was 1995, correct? Yeah. And uh, you enjoyed your time in Thailand. You Did you go home to Austria? Yes. And uh, when you came back to Austria and you were preparing for the European Championships, um, how did you, like, did you just go back into kickboxing? Were you a person who brought Muay Thai to Austria? What what happened next with your journey? Uh, you know, as well, for Muay Thai, you need every time a, a good partner to try to, to train the clinch. So at this time, I have my own gym. And it was very difficult to find a good partner to train some clinching, to try some different style of Muay Thai. So that's why I continue with kickboxing. Mm -hmm. But also the second part was... Muay Thai. So for me, it's very hard to train for myself, but so in this way, I uh, found the second part to train the, the people, my students. 
And so that's why I have two parts in my gym or two, two sections in my gym. That's very, for me, for this moment, it was a little bit hard. So I have to continue with kickboxing for, the, for some other one competitions. So uh, at this time, I changed also to some professional bouts mm. and growing up on this way. And this was also a very good experience for myself, but I have also some good athletes, some good students. And so to try some Muay Thai fights, kickboxing too, but at this time we don't have enough Muay Thai tournaments, especially for amateur. That was at this time the problem. So after a couple of years, for example, 2000, 2001, 2002, so they have more, the people are more interested in Muay Thai. So since this time, Muay Thai in Austria growing up too. So we can have more focus on Muay Thai, we can train, but we can practice also on competition Muay Thai. That's much more better at this time, but not each, if I was an active athlete. So you would say since 2002, there's been more interest. I, I'd say the same for the United States around the same timeline. Yeah. What, what do you so, think that is uh, the reason of that? Like why around that specific 2000 to 2002, is there anything that you would know, especially because you're affiliated with IFMA? Uh, if it doesn't exist at this time, right? there was the old federation, it called it IMTF. It was the, the former federation. <clears throat> and the, this federation was also active at this time. <clears throat> and it was, I think it was 1999, I was there in Bangkok. Oh, it was 2000, cannot remember exactly, too many events. Hmm. Uh, at this moment, uh, at this time, we visited the World Championship. It was not so really big one, but it was really good to see them, some different countries, some different styles, some different athletes, how they prepare themselves for this competition, how they use their own skills for this competition. And so it, since this time, 1999, 2000, all other countries, especially for uh, of Europe, <clears throat> they have now more idea about Muay Thai, and so they pushed Muay Thai more than before. So in this way, since 2000, you can say since 2000, Muay Thai in Europe growing up, same like in Austria, 2000, 2001, it's growing up, and the people are more interested in Muay Thai. So uh, also at this time, there was also, maybe you know Eurosport? Yeah, TV I'm working on tomorrow. Ah, okay. Yeah. So at this time, you, there was also the K1 Grand Prix from Japan. And so sometimes there was live broadcasted, sometimes they show some old fights, and the people are more interested in K1 style or in Muay Thai. And they have also, in, at this time, they have, uh, I cannot remember, Kao, 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 Kao Senor, something like this one. It was a rabbit light. Thai athlete, he's fighting against the heavyweight, and one time he knocked my Timo out with a jumping kick or with a flying kick. And so since this time, the people are more interested in Muay Thai. So everybody saw the small Thai guy, he's fighting the heavy guy. And so the people are talking by himself, or they're asking, what's about this guy, why he can fight the heavyweight? And sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses. But most of the time, he shows a very good uh, performance and the people are more interested about this guy and his fighting style. And so they are, get a little bit knowledge, they get a little, little bit more information to Muay Thai. And so that's why I'm Muay Thai growing up too. And uh, during this time before you became a referee, which is, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but um, oh. obviously you were a fighter and it sounds like you had your gym at that time. How yeah. long were you competing for and 
are you you're still competing are you done competing when did that stop only at my gym with my athletes with my <laughs> students <laughs> yeah not enough time to prepare myself for some competition and i'm too old <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> no 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 i was more than 11 or 12 years active as an athlete and that transition to being the third man in the ring, you know, protecting the fighters and making sure everybody's safe, healthy, fighting fair. I, yeah. I think for a lot of, I'd say coaches, because this is what I would know more about when yeah. they're not fighting anymore and they just have to be coaches. I feel like many of them are very sad that part of their life is over. How did you feel when you stopped fighting and only was a coach or only was a referee? I've never any, I have no doubts about this one, but it was, I tried this one, so on this way, also I had, I had two bad, not really bad, I had two special experiments with my active career, so there was two special bouts, I thought by myself, the judges are cheating me, so I thought by myself, I should win this fight, so in this case, I go to the first referee seminar, I would like to know how I have to, or what I have to do to be a winner. So that's why I started with refereeing too. It was 98. It was one competition. I think it was in Switzerland and one was in, uh, in, in Czech. And so that's why I uh, started to be a referee, but not to be a referee inside the ring, but I was more interested about the rules, uh, avoiding of points, what I have to do if I would like to be the winner or more. So in this case, why I have growing up as a referee. And at this time, we, there was not a lot referee also in Austria or in Europe. And so some of them, they're asking me, maybe you can be a referee if you are not active, if you are not come with your athletes. So they invite me to be a referee. They know me, they know me very well as an athlete. So they know it well, what happens in, with my person. I was an athlete, I was a trainer, I am a trainer at this time. And so now I continue, I uh, would like to growing up as a referee too. So this was also the next step. It was not with intention for the moment. So it was only step by step, at first an athlete and the trainer and to be a referee only for my own interests. What I have to do to be a winner, something like this one. So that's why I became a referee also. And so in this case, I growing up as a referee. So after my last bout, more uh, organizer, came to me and invite me to this event or to tier events to be a referee. And so I create also some uh, referee teams in Austria or in Europe. And so in this case, it's going to be hand in hand with some other one. And uh, you say something that I think is very important that you said you went to be a, a referee or to study because you want to know how to win, correct? Yeah. And yeah. Um, especially with Muay Thai in the United States, uh, it's still growing and there's still so much to be done, which is why the qualifiers uh, we're yeah. trying to emphasize isn't just about the tournament. It's the opportunities to watch this high level Muay Thai and to see for everybody, it's a good takeaway for everybody to grow the sport. So uh, I really wanna to touch on the seminar that you're a part of. Um, why would you say it's so important for uh, not just coaches or aspiring referees, but even the athletes to participate in the seminar. What will they learn? Yeah. Uh, basically, knowledge about the rules, especially awarding of points, fouls, cautions, warning, why they get the warning, why they have to take care about 
the open end or when they have to take care about the open land and they have to listen, they have to obey, they obey the commands of the referee, something like this one. And also for the beginners or for some experienced referees, it's very important the requirement to be a referee. It's very important too. Most of the people think there's no age limit or everybody can go inside the ring, but it doesn't, they cannot. So fundamental requirements mean uh, they must have a basic knowledge in Muay Thai. But for me, a very good referee is this guy who trained by himself. Maybe he was an athlete before. And, but for me, it's very important if the referee train and if the referee knows what happens, if he received a very hard kick to the leg or a knee to the stomach, Maybe he got this experience during the sparring or during the training. So in this way, if he got this experience, so he know it very well when the referee or when he walk as a referee, when he have to stop the bout to protect the athletes. This is the main priority of the referee, to protect the athletes. All the athletes are our future. Without athletes, we are nothing. That's very important. This is also very a big point to the requirement to be a referee to train by himself, basic knowledge in Muay Thai, but not everybody must be a high-level athlete before, it doesn't matter. But the basic knowledge they should have, they must have, they should train by himself or herself, it doesn't matter, and they should know what happens when they have to stop the bout and they should protect the athletes, when they have to open the count, for example. What you're saying is very helpful because I've gone to IFMA several times and I've gone with athletes that that's their first time, it's their first exposure to IFMA. So um, something will happen or uh, they'll watch a fight and they see a fighter, uh, the match gets stopped, what feels for them very early. And they don't, um, they don't know that it's for the fighter safety. And also, as I said before, I live in Holland and I have been going to these kickboxing fights and I mm -hmm. feel like the referees just let them die. Like they let their heads hit the ground a few times, things like this. Yeah especially being in the US and um, being around a lot of like IFMA style referee to see those things for me is horrific. It's it's terrible to see that happen to the fighters. For me, it's unnecessary punishment. Yeah. So sure. the referee must protect the athletes. And this is also a way why uh, all athletes, also the, the coaches, the trainers should visit a referee course. They should know the basic knowledge for scoring to take care about the athletes, something like this one. But if the, the trainer or the coach doesn't know what happens to this athlete, for sure he will lose this athletes. If the athlete received unnecessary punishment, for sure maybe he will not continue the competition or he will stop with, the, with Muay Thai or something like this one. So I saw also very, very bad decisions of some referees and also which one I didn't understand if the, the trainer see his athlete, he received unnecessary punishment. So why he didn't stop the bout? It's also the power of the charge of the trainer to throw the towel. Right. So they have every time the possibility to do this on this way. But it's not only the referee's fault, it's also the fault of the coaches. Yeah, to protect but, their yeah. athlete. Yes, yeah. So that's very important. But for sure, at first, the referee should know when he has to stop the bout. But you know as well, if you go, for example, the qualifier for the World Games. So everybody prepare the athletes, for example, three, four months, and everybody are hungry for this competition. And they prepare for himself, and everybody would, would like to do, for sure, they would like to try the best. And sometimes the referee didn't know the athletes, but 
The coaches know their own athletes as well. They should know it. And so in this way, the, uh, the athletes should be protected by the coaches. And if, you, if the coach or the, the, the trainer see the athlete cannot protect himself or he saw some movements where he didn't saw him on these movements before, so maybe he got some kicks to the leg and so he cannot move and the referee was on the opposite side so he cannot saw it, uh, see it. So it's also part of the trainer to throw the towel, stop the bout. With the qualifiers, and uh, I keep mentioning IFMA because um, I'd say... 99% of the American athletes that have competed internationally have either done so in uh, Thailand or have done so for IFMA. As far as you know, the rules for the actual world games, is it going to be IFMA rules? Can you explain? IFMA rules, the yeah. the rules. But you know, the, the biggest difference uh, between the rules is also, this is also for the most Thai athletes a little bit confused. If you go as an athlete to Thailand and to train there, you saw many different techniques if you watch some IFMA bouts. So in most of the time, the, uh, the train professional Muay Thai. In professional Muay Thai, it's big different to IFMA. And it's also big different to WMC. You know as well, IFMA and WMC are similar to the same, but WMC is the professional way of the IFMA athletes. And IFMA, they have to fight with the whole equipment. And also it's a big difference if you're fighting in Bangkok, for, for example, Lumpini Stadium or Ratchatamina Stadium or Rayong Stadium on Phuket, something like this one, each of the stadium have their own rules. And sometimes if you have famous athletes fighting out there, for example, Burkhav, not Philip Burkhav, I mean Sanjay. But in all rules, they have the same, similar, the same regulation inside. Even athletes touch the floor without uh, without any part of the, the legs, the referee has to stop it. But you know as well, the Sanjay kick, he touched with the fist, the floor, and he kicked to the head. But in all other uh, stadiums, these techniques are forbidden. But if Sanjay are fighting there, they let them continue. Wow, I never it's, knew this. Yeah, that, that's the difference. And also, in IFMA, the main priority of the, athlete, of the referee is to take care of the athlete. And if you go to Thailand, you saw a lot of fights that don't care about the athletes. That's the big difference too. And on the other way, uh, if you watch professional fights and IFMA fights, you saw many different techniques and you didn't understand the scoring system then too. That's also. But for professional bouts, sweeping are okay. Throwing are okay. But in IFMA, it's forbidden. To protect the fighters. Yes. And uh, something that I think as a woman, that's different to see uh, when I watch um, fights in general in the US, Muay Thai, MMA, whatever it is, if someone gets kicked in the groin, usually they have a little bit of time to recover, but if that's yeah. not the case, correct? Yeah, in if we have the case, yeah. The well, have, you also have time mm, to recover. Yeah, yeah, they can take the time of five minutes. After five minutes, if they cannot continue, they lose by injury. From what I've seen is they're telling the athlete to um, continue. At least that's what I've seen. Or maybe it's because, you know, like I was in IFMA in Bangkok and I saw some fresh fighters first time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, turning your back, stuff like this, that signals you don't want to fight, that ends the fight. You know, is that one of those things? It can be. It can be. But you know as well, 
the main priority of the athlete is to protect himself or herself yeah. each time of the bout. And so if one of the athletes turn the back to the opponent, the opponent can kick the back, he can kicking, he can elbowing, he can kneeing his opponent. And on this way, the next part is he can do it one time, maximum two times. And after this one, the referee has to stop the bout and have to open the count to protect the athlete. Yeah. That's the difference. In professional one, they let them continue. The referees and what is happening in the U.S. is I'm seeing a lot more women becoming referees, a lot more women being interested. I That's think really good. We yeah. need more female referees. I, I, my favorite part, uh, one of my favorite memories of this last IFMA was there was an Iranian girl, and I believe she was fighting a Turkish girl, and there was a female ref. And obviously, for me, it's very exciting to see like uh, all these women in the ring, especially because I'm Iranian, seeing, uh, you know, women who maybe traditionally don't get those opportunities to fight or for, you know, to be offered the chance to fight isn't something women from that country get very often. So do yeah. you see a lot of uh, women becoming refs in IFMA? Is, is that an opportunity that's being given or do you just see more people being interested in general the biggest problem on this way is um, many of the countries they don't have enough female referees also some of them they have more female athletes some of them have less female athletes or referees but in general we need more female referees that's a problem but on this on the other side we need well-educated referees so this is also one of my things and also one of my ideas so I create a standard. Mm. So a couple of years ago, I have my idea. And so in this way, uh, it should be a standard for refereeing, for judging, for scoring on this way. But at first, each national federation must have a head referee, which must educate it by IFMA. That's very important. And if the national head referee are educated by IFMA, so he can teach the national, the local referees too. So in the same like a pyramid, you know as well, they have the head referee, they have some provincial referees, they have the state referees, they have the local referees, and so all together must working together. And if the head referees start with the education, and he have the education by Ivma, so he know what's going on and he know the procedure, how and what he have to teach, it's the best way for the future too, and especially for the female. The special, uh, the, the best female referees are this one. He was an athlete before. Mm. And also, oh, there was a good trainer. Uh, there was a good athlete, not really a fighter, only an athlete. So they have a good experience by herself. So in this way, it's very important for them. It's very good. So they know what's going on and they know what they have to tell, what they have to take care about this one. And so, and that's very important. And so that's why. We have also focus for the female referees in our federation for the future too. With that standard that you mentioned um, and creating like IFMA's rule set or refining it, uh, I was told you had a big hand in that process, refining the rule set and making it so that it's as fair as possible. It's uh, the best fighting possible. Is, could you tell me more about that? At first, it doesn't matter which country are the outlets come. It doesn't matter. So we have red corner, we have the blue corner. So you know it as well, uh, especially for Olympia or for some Olympic games, if Iran, Iraq fighting against Israel, most of the time, there are some problems. Yeah. 
And for me, no politic inside. Yeah, of course. You can do it out, it doesn't matter. I don't care about some politically, I will do Muay Thai. And so we have the red open end, we have the blue open end. And the better one will win. It doesn't matter if this guy are from, or the lady are from Austria against Germany or something like this one. So we have red, we have blue. And each of the referees must be neutral. And that's it. It was, for example, it was three years or four years ago at the World Championship at Bangkok. There was one guy from, I cannot remember which country, but he was was not good relationship to Israel. And so he has posted some bad words on Facebook. I saw him, order him to me, I tell him, if I am this man who can decide it to send to home immediately, I will do it. So you can take a luggage and you can leave this venue. But I'm not in this position to send you home, but I can disqualify you for this event. So we do sports, we don't do political, and that's it. Each of the referees must be neutral and fair, and that's very simple one. Right, you can see the the vest color, not anything other. I, I, that's also why the athletes can't bring their flags into the ring with them, correct? Yeah, yeah. With the preparation of the World Games, we're really trying to emphasize to our American athletes and their fans that this tournament is not just a tournament. It's to decide which athletes go to the World Games which yeah. I would say is like second to the Olympics, if that it's a yes. huge deal. Why is this such an important thing for an athlete to compete in the World Games? How is it different from IFMA? It's IFMA, but it's under the, under the umbrella of IOC, under the umbrella of the five rings. This is part of the five rings games. And this is also, for the moment, it's our highest tournament that we have with IFMA in IFMA. And also, you know, as well, each of the local Olympic federations support the national federation if they go to the World Games. And this is also very important for the future. Uh, in next year, we have the European Olympic Games in Poland. And this is also a very big step for us for the future. Maybe 2024, we are part of the Olympic Games in Paris. Maybe nobody knows it for the moment, but this is our main priority to be. But we are part of the Olympic Games. We are full recognized member in IOC, but not a full recognized full medal sports. That's the difference. And so that's a, our dream to be a full member sports on the IOC, maybe on the Olympic or uh, summer or Olympic Games, but more, more on the Olymp uh, summer Olympic Games, maybe 24 or 28. Maybe 2018, I think it was in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe at this time. So this is also a goal of everybody, of the athletes. This is a goal of IFMA to be a part of the, a full member, a full medal sports of IOC. At the World Games is also a high level for the IOC. It's under the umbrella of IOC. And that's why it's very important for IFMA to be a part at this game, to be with this event, uh, with this event on the World Games in Alabama. What's uh, missing for us to be the, a full member? What What's left for us to accomplish? That's a good question. If you know it, <laughs> if you knew the answer, <laughs> we can continue. I don't know. You know as well, everybody would like to be 
a, a small piece of the cake of the IOC cake. So there are many different sports. Maybe you followed the IOC and two years ago, they had a problem with the IOC, bo uh, with the boxing, with the AIBA. And so they have made many faults. There were many mistakes inside the federation. They have some problem with the president. And so also they had a big problem with the referees and the judges especially at the Olympic Games in London. I saw a lot of bouts in this decision, what I saw, I cannot believe. Mm. It's really horrible. And so since these Olympic Games in London, they are under watching, under control of the IOC border, and they have to change many things. And last year at the Olympic Games, it was not AIBA, the organizer of the boxing event. It was all the IOC organized the boxing event with the referees of the Boxing Federation. But it doesn't call them AIBA, it's only boxing of IOC, I think so. And now they have to create a new federation, not really a new federation. They have selected a new president for the Boxing Federation, but not for the moment, it's not AIBA, it's only IBA. I think it's IBA. I think it's only International Boxing Association, not AIBA, sometimes only IBA. So they have a new name with a new president. So now we will see what happens for the future. But it was really close before to kick them out of the Olympic family. But especially in, in Japan, karate was inside, but only for these Olympic Games. The hosted country can select one sport for the Olympic Games and they select oh. karate. It's a traditional sport. And so it was only the first and the last time karate to be a full medal sport. So if the Olympics were in Thailand, they could have selected Muay Thai as an Olympic sport, basically. There was some special agreement, but normally they can, but you know as well, there were some political decisions. We don't know what happens behind mm. the stage, but there was some special solution for, the, for karate at the Olympic Games in, in Japan. And this is also why we are praying for 2024 for the Olympic Games in Paris. The Paris, uh, the French Federation for Muay Thai are very strong and then have an athlete who will go also to the World Games. It's Jimmy Vignon. He starts. So oh, he, yeah, I saw him fight. Yeah, yeah. So at first he starts the competition in 75 kilo kg category, but now he lose weight. So now he was at the World, uh, in the World Championship in Bangkok. He's fighting at 71. So he was qualified for the World Games. So he will fighting at the World Games in minus 71. And so this is also an idea, maybe if he make a good performance and he won one medal or a medal for him or for the French Federation, maybe the French uh, Olympic Committee see this performance and they're really happy about this one. So maybe they select Muay Thai for this Olympic Games. So hopefully there are many options. They can select Muay Thai or they select another one. So nobody knows it for the moment. So we all should be hoping Jimmy does well at the World Games. The I, uh, future yeah. of Muay Thai in the Olympics rests on Jimmy. Not only on Jimmy, but <laughs> <laughs> he was focused on this one. That's also, that's the, you know, there's so many different things must reckon together. And especially for the Olympic Games, there are so much political insight and nobody knows it, exactly what happens. And nobody of us will know it for sure. That's it. Well, something you said earlier that I just want to make clear for everybody who's going to be listening to this. Um, yeah. 
it's so important to have great referees, great judges, educated, because like you were saying about the Olympics in London, you saw a lot of athletes uh, work extremely hard to have the opportunity taken away from them in, a, in an unfair way due to refereeing or judging. So I think if someone truly cares about this sport and um, wants to see it grow, especially because we're trying so hard for it in the United States, participating in your seminar it's going to be very important because, you know, you, you don't ever want to have to leave it up to the judges, but if it is, you want to know that your judges and your referees know what they're doing and they're okay. looking out for you. They're looking out to uh, have the best fight possible. For the World Games, they are qualified, the highest educated athletes, the experienced referees, the best athletes at the world. And... Some fights can be very, very close. So they only maybe one strike more can decide about or something like this one. So in this way, it's very important to have very good educated referees. They must know exactly what happens, how they have to score, what they have to score, what they have to observe. So in this way, it doesn't matter if the athlete using more boxing skills or elbowing skills or he use more clinching skills, something like this one. So and even we have some criteria to create a winner, which one strikes more than the opponent should create, uh, should be the winner of this round. But if both strikes similar the same one, the other one, for example, red one is kicking more, the other one is sneeing more, but some of them have the same number of strikes. So we have different criteria to create a winner. And if the athletes, uh, if they, sorry, if the referee have a good education and they know each point of the rules very well, so they can create the correct winner. That's very important for the future to have a very good education and to know exactly what is what happens with the rules and what's written inside the rules. And my last question for you is, uh, what advice would you have for our American athletes to do well at the qualifiers? If may I, some of them didn't make it to the refing and judging courses before so what's a little thing maybe they can keep in mind uh, as they compete fear fear fights fight hard fight strong play <laughs> fear yeah that, that's it and follow the rules obey the commands of the referee and i'm really sure everybody showed their best performance at their life and so in this way i'm really excited about this one and i'm really sure we will see a lot of very good Athletes, we will see a very good fights and fair fights, and the best one receives the qualification for the World Games. That's for sure. Will you be a uh, uh, refing at the World Games, or are you going to go as a coach? No, no, I'm very free there. Okay, well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. You so much. You're welcome. Bye bye. See you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to my interview with Gunter. Before you go, though, there's still some more information to share. I don't know why Jeff is saluting off. Oh, it's his. I have a Muay Thai tattoo. <laughs> my armpit. Um, so anyways, uh, we have some information about the live stream. Jeffrey, if you'd like to tell our listeners. So we will be hosting a live stream all four days. And the first day is going to be free through boxing tv we they have been such an amazing partner here they've really helped us with our live stream that we have put together as a media team thank you to rosie and her tireless efforts of just troubleshooting and debugging the whole thing um we're also probably going to do episode four there live uh on our on our youtube 
Uh, it's going to be featuring a lot of the people behind the scenes of the USMF, so stay tuned for that. But um, just be prepared for an amazing live stream. It's not just something where we're putting two cameras up and letting it go. It's going to be more of an interactive feed where people can really see what's going on. Something that, you know, I wish other promotions would have. Um, and again, this is going to be our first one, so it's going to be super cool. All right, everybody, we'll see you guys at the fights. And this was Corley's Corner. Cue the music. <laughs> okay, done. This episode was sponsored by the USMF media team because we did a lot of stuff for you guys to see this thing. So appreciate it. For those of you that have the shirt, you know where it's from. Peace. From the old school generation. From the true school generation. Okay, that's it. Is there anything else? <laughs> you know, the feedback I got was that the episodes are funny. Really? Yeah, that's the one I got the most about the feedback. I can read. Uh, yeah, let's read some feedback. Let's let's add this too. Let's read some feedbacks. Perry, my chest, LMAO, dead face, dead face, dead face, dead face, dead face. You got me cracking up listening to this podcast. This is so good. Not you. It's probably because you couldn't pronunciate the names correctly. Not you struggling with these. I leave. <laughs> Dead <laughs> face. And then you're asking Jeff to take over because you're tired of butchering them. Uh, you really have a voice for podcasts. I was like, oh, well, thank you. Clowning on Jeff, calling him old, hilarious. Great. So. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to have a wheelchair next time I go to the fucking podcast because I'm so old. How's that? You're so old when you cough, dust comes out. Holy shit, dude. Dinosaur bones come out my nose when I sneeze. Wow. Wow. So it's... How old are you, Jeff? 47? I'm 52. Ooh. Um... I'm a living fossil, according to Perry. How are we going to get Michael on the... I don't think Rosie superimposed him anywhere. It would be cool if Michael was Bing. sitting on someone's shoulder during the podcast. Bing. You know? Like you just... Bing. And then there's Can Michael. Can we put Mike here? Bing. 